Welcome to the fourth installment of Unfucking Quickies, where we have a little roll in the hay on a serious topic, but with our tongues firmly jammed in our... Whoa, whoa, it's still a family show, right? Cheeks, Manny. Tongues firmly in cheeks. Oh, good. I thought you were going to say asses. <laughs> My bad. Why would you... J- Jesus. Anyway, if you're new here... Just know that unfucking quickies are different than our regular episodes where we go balls deep on an issue. (laughs) Enough, you two. Sorry. Sorry, 99. Sorry, 99. Coming up next on Fuckers, we have an episode all about modern monetary theory, followed by I'm Not Really Sure. And then I'm sifting through a number of awesome suggestions from unfuckers and subfuckers. Now, forgive this next bit, but it's an email from a listener that made my heart sing because it's about our coffee. It's quick, I promise. As most of you know, our show is uniquely funded through a partnership that we have with a native business called Native Coffee Traders on a reservation in New York, part of our commitment to supporting indigenous entrepreneurship. So our first batch finally shipped, and unfuckers who were kind enough to pre-order our Unfuck Your Morning or Unfuck Your Afternoon blends are already sending us rave reviews and pictures, including this one from our buddy Kryn. Here's his email. Max, I owe you an apology. When you said that you had coffee for sale and that it was produced by indigenous peoples, I thought that buying some would be a good way to contribute to your projects. Like many Americans, I fancy myself to be something of a coffee connoisseur, and I'm hard to please. I gave you money so that you could continue researching, prepping, creating new ways to denounce Republicans, neoliberals, neoconservatives, and very short economists. But I had no illusions about your coffee. But then a bag of your black medicine coffee arrived in the mail, and here's where I have to apologize. The coffee is excellent. I drink it strong, but there's no bitterness, no sourness, no extra sweetness. It's rich and full of distinctive flavors. In fact, I'm going to make it my regular coffee. I urge your listeners to do the same, even if they find your use of colorful language to be somewhat problematic. Now, beyond the shamelessness of self-promotion here, I thought it was important to put it out there that this coffee really is no fucking joke. We wouldn't fuck around with you like that. I'm a coffee snob myself, and it seriously lights out. But the takeaway here is that we wanted to do something beyond just donations to help support the show so listeners aren't out of pocket for anything they wouldn't normally spend their hard-earned money on. You have hundreds of competitors for your entertainment and news dollars, and to ask you to fund our thing seemed a little bit indulgent. And because I have a personal commitment from my time covering Native issues in journalism, this partnership seemed almost too good to be true. But it's not. Every purchase goes to support Native coffee traders, and we're hoping to partner with other Native and historically marginalized entrepreneurs as we grow. So thank you to Kren and all of the unfuckers who helped sell out our first lot of unfucking blends. Now, you may recall from our prior quickies that we take three distinct things that are somehow related and unfuck them with a bit more animus and sarcasm than usual. In our first show, we dismantled three Democrats who are having a rough go of things. Then we examined the three white male archetypes of an AOC detractor. After that, we pushed back on the effort to rehabilitate three notable Republicans. Today is a special treat, because our three quickie subjects were actually proposed by one of our top unfuckers, Michael Perry. So thank you, Michael, for the suggestion and your support. Today, in our fourth installment of Unfucking Quickies, in the spirit of the Olympic trials, we've added our own special event called Stupid White Guy Olympics. Three Republican governors compete for the title in today's episode, and it should be pretty competitive. And in the spirit of collaboration, unfuckers and subfuckers will be able to decide the winner at www.unftr.com, and we'll announce the gold, silver, and bronze medalists on the next unfucking. 
So grab your remote and settle into your recliner and prepare to send one of these assholes to the stupid white guy Olympic podium. When the world is a mean and nasty little place, finding the truth can be a little tricky. Don't go punch yourself in the face, just listen to it on fucking quickie. And we're live in three, two... Good afternoon and welcome to the Stupid White Guy Olympic Trials here in beautiful Florida, where hometown hero Governor Ron DeSantis will be battling with Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. I'm your host, Immortal Max, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Manny Faces and Agent 99. The pre-trials were really a sight to behold. So many stupid white men came to compete, but of course, only three emerged victorious and will go on to grab the gold at Mar-a-Lago alongside the stupidest white man of all. Max, it seems like we have a concession speech from one of the finalists who just barely missed out on meddling in the first round. Let's listen in. Black and white and brown and Asian and short and tall and gay and straight. If his COVID press conferences are any indication, this could go on for a while. Good point, 99. While Governor Cuomo continues his remarks, let's kick it up to our home studio to introduce our three finalists. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp won a contentious gubernatorial race against Stacey Abrams in 2018 that was rife with accusations of voter suppression. Kemp, who was the Secretary of State at the time and was responsible for running statewide elections, was criticized for his role in canceling more than 1.4 million voter registrations during his eight-year tenure and for his aggressive purging of voter rolls. His reign coincided with a controversial Supreme Court decision in 2013 that effectively gutted the landmark Voting Rights Act, which allowed previously monitored states to enact cumbersome voting restrictions. During one night in July 2017, Kemp's office purged more than a half a million votes, which the state's most influential newspaper said, quote, may represent the largest mass disenfranchisement in U.S. history, end quote. He eventually beat Abrams by about 55,000 votes. Fast forward to 2021, Kemp signed one of the most restrictive voting laws in the country, essentially codifying Trump's election fraud lies. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis embodies Trumpian politics more than any other elected official in the country. During his campaign in 2016, DeSantis displayed his mastery of the art of bootlicking when he appeared in a political ad in which he's seen indoctrinating his kids in the ways of Trump. While DeSantis and Trump are mostly indistinguishable, the former can at least say he served in the military and had political experience before becoming a conservative America darling. But that's where their differences end. DeSantis, or mini-Trump as he's known, refuses to disavow lies about the 2020 election, and it's clear why. Besides Trump, he's consistently ranked among the most liked Republicans in the country. So what is DeSantis up to politically? Well, other than saying things like, Florida chose freedom over Fauciism. He's signed laws that target transgender athletes and protesters, and one that suppresses the vote in Florida. DeSantis and his party have also shown contempt for Florida's electorate by trying to quash or water down ballot initiatives that were approved overwhelmingly at the polls, including one that would restore voting rights to people formerly convicted of felonies, and one raising the state's minimum wage to $15 per hour. Hey, I bet! Before being elected governor of Texas in 2014, Greg Abbott earned his conservative bona fides for the scores of lawsuits he brought against the Obama administration while he served as Texas Attorney General, a position he held longer than anyone before him. Abbott filed more than 30 lawsuits against the Obama administration, with mixed results. 
for Abbott, though, it was a badge of honor. So much so that he reprinted a Wall Street Journal article on his government website highlighting this apparent achievement. As the journal noted, for Mr. Abbott, a former Texas Supreme Court justice, the effort has helped burnish his conservative credentials in a state where the Tea Party holds considerable clout. That Abbott lost more than he won never mattered. It was all about defending Texas from the ostensible socialist messiah lording over an oppressive federal government. And well, it worked. When Abbott was elected governor in 2014, he had the largest margin of victory since Rick Perry's re-election in 2002. Abbott has since signed some of the country's most oppressive laws, including a strict anti-abortion measure, one targeting undocumented immigrants, and another that would allow adoption agencies to deny services to people based on religious grounds. Abbott is also following in the footsteps of Kemp and DeSantis by pushing a voter suppression bill despite no evidence of extensive or even modest election fraud in his state. And there you have it, folks, our final contenders for this year's Stupid White Guy Olympics. Wow. Just wow. I think this might just be one of the finest lineups we've ever seen. Couldn't agree more, Manny. I think we'll learn a lot from the floor routine next. No doubt the judges will be looking for talking points on racism, immigration. <laughs> or everyone's favorite, abortion. abortion. Our colleague Max has joined the contestants on the floor to introduce their routines before the judges. Let's cut over to him now. Well, thanks, Manny. This really is exciting. First up for the floor routine is Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who can be heard here describing how the new voter suppression laws in Georgia are actually the opposite. It's the ultimate twist that even Simone Biles would have difficulty executing. Let's listen in. This bill that I just signed, um, you know, is expanding the opportunity for people to vote early here in Georgia again with even additional um, potential for people to vote on Saturday and Sunday is further securing the absentee ballot process by simply adding a photo ID requirement or number from your ID that will actually speed up the absentee balloting by mail process, which was very slow after this last election. Take the arbitrary part of that away. So really it's an election integrity bill, but also expands access. So it's kind of ironic that the president would be against that. Amazing! What a twist and flip! I've never seen anything like it. Now to Kemp's bonus routine. GOP insiders are betting that this is what will put him over the top. Here he is trying to get through America's motto. Thanks, Lawrence. It is America, the land of the home and, and freedom reigns. For now it is. Whoa! Oh, wow. Holy Unbelievable. shit! Whoa. God, wow. Damn! That was amazing. Man, oh man, the other governors have a lot to live up to there. What a fucking dummy. Up next, we have a true fan favorite, not only because he's a fucking dick, but because he represents the state that we love to hate. Here's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis using what appears to be coded racist language. Let's listen in. Uh, you know, he is an articulate spokesman for those far left views, and he's a charismatic candidate. And, you know, I watched those Democrat debates. None of that was, was my cup of tea. But I mean, he performed better than the other people there. So so we've got to work hard to make sure that we continue Florida going in a good direction. Let's build off the success we've had on Governor Scott. The last thing we need to do is to monkey this up by trying to embrace a socialist agenda. What on earth is happening? <laughs> Looks like all of the animals in attendance are responding to the dog whistle. Right, that explains it. DeSantis started off the routine with a classic move in calling his black opponent, quote, articulate. Not enough to score points with the judges, but certainly enough to perk them up. 
Then he followed through with a perfect shot, saying a vote for his black opponent would, quote, monkey things up. Back-to-back coded language insults in one 30-second clip. Masterful. DeSantis is already making it difficult for the judges. For his bonus routine, Governor DeSantis has selected his campaign ad. Bold choice. Let's take a listen. Everyone knows my husband, Ron DeSantis, is endorsed by President Trump, but he's also an amazing dad. Ron loves playing with the kids. Build the wall. He reads stories. Then Mr. Trump said, you're fired. I love that part. He's teaching Madison to talk. Make America great again. People say Ron's all Trump, but he is so much more. Big league. So good. I just thought you should know. Ron DeSantis for governor. Good Lord, what a douchebag. While I can't imagine topping these two, we still have one more contender from the great state of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott. You know what they say about Texas. Well, everything's bigger in Texas. And we're about to find out if that's true for assholes as well. When the lights went out in Texas during a bizarre climate change-related deep freeze revealing the issues with a deregulated and privatized energy grid, Governor Abbott took to the airwaves to blame a curious culprit. Let's take a listen. Our wind and our solar got shut down, and and they were uh, collectively more than 10% of our power grid. And that thrust Texas into a situation where it was lacking power in a statewide basis. (laughs) Ah, yes. The old windmill caused the power outage gambit. He certainly sold the shit out of that one. I'm told we have a back-to-back lie fest from Governor Abbott's State of the State address to close out his routine. I haven't heard it, but there's been a lot of buzz about it during the trials. Here we go. Politicians from the federal level to the local level have shouted, heck yes, the government is coming to get your guns. Estimates show that more than 40 million babies lost their lives to abortion in 2020. Oh my goodness, a state governor taking on two federal issues by doubling down on massive lies. 40 million abortions? Good lord. 3.6 million babies were born in the United States in 2020, but 40 million were aborted? Gotta love this guy's math. He's really going for it. Back to you, Manny. Thank you, Max. That was exciting. Before we get to your closing remarks, 99, tell our listeners how they can cast their vote for the stupidest white guy. Sure thing, Manny. Unfuckers can head to unftr.com to submit their vote. Voting will close in one week, and results will be announced on the next full-fledged unfucking episode. Great. Well, that's all from us here in sunny Florida. Thanks for joining us here at the Stupid White Guy Olympic Trials. On behalf of the unfucking team, God bless, good night, and get fucked. In last week's show, we talked about how to define the Trump years and even offered some pointers on how to communicate with a Trump supporter. In our Fuck Rupert Murdoch episode, we highlighted the decline in our national discourse and in our ability to perform the most basic of critical thinking exercises to question authority. We're so dialed into national events and beltway politics that many have lost sight of the ground battle for our civil rights and liberties. Unfuckers, throughout our journey together thus far, I've tried to point out the hidden dangers in public policy that give rise to symptoms that plague us and the forces that are aligned against us to hide these underlying conditions. So beyond this being a fun exercise to poke fun at three stupid white guys who are as ridiculous as they are dangerous, it's meant to draw our attention to a struggle that has always been with us in the United States. You see, in many ways, the story of our founding is still playing out all over the country. 
the epic battle between states' rights Jeffersonians versus Hamilton Federalists and the ugly compromise that is our bicameral legislature have produced what and who we are today. While the corporate media has us looking up at the big stuff, we're losing the battle on the ground. More and more states are working to separate us from our rights and dismantle the legislative victories that have slowly accrued over time. At the state level, it's death by a thousand cuts. Decades of gerrymandering has given Republicans control of most governing features that citizens interact with. Republicans outnumber Democrats in absolute legislators, 3,900 to 3,300. They control 61% of state legislatures. In terms of the business of government, Republicans far outnumber Democrats across the nation. Now recall when we spoke about the influence of conservative groups like the Heritage Foundation and how they're literally crafting identical bills proposed in myriad Republican-controlled legislatures. This is where the legislative echo chamber gets super scary and you can begin to see a patchwork of laws that move like a fungus over the map of America. The Heritage Foundation shits out a bill based on specious interpretations of Chicago school economists copies and pastes them into legislative agendas in Republican-controlled states, and the lawmakers, think tank experts, and economists appear on conservative news outlets to promote them. Then, governors like Abbott, Kemp, and DeSantis take to the media and to the streets to promote them through press conferences, manufacturing crises like, the government is taking your guns, we killed 40 million babies, and Biden is forcing socialism down our throats. It's all so fucking perfect. With messaging control like this, they're able to buck positive social change. They can roll back abortion access, impose harsh local sentencing laws and cash bail requirements, try to build their own border walls like in the case of Texas, and craft legislation that makes it difficult to vote in certain districts. And those are hot button issues that we can see because they're so outrageous. But every day throughout the country, there are small bills being introduced and passed that encroach on our civil liberties and attempt to roll back our natural rights as citizens and eliminate the protections that so many people fought and died for in this grand fucked up experiment that we call America. And as if that's not enough, there's even a long game that's still being played that will probably blow your fucking mind if you've never heard of it. They've been working on it since the John Birch Society was actually active and effective. It's something called a convention of states. I actually referenced this quickly in an episode a while ago, but it bears some explanation. Article 5 of the Constitution delineates how amendments shall be proposed and adopted. As a practical matter, a constitutional amendment hasn't been passed since 1971, and that was about congressional pay. Though there's a super fucking cool story about how the 27th Amendment, first passed in 1789, wasn't ratified until 1992. This historic oversight was found in 1982 by a university student named Gregory Watson. He got a C on the paper, but eventually he got the amendment passed. It's a pretty neat fucking story, but it's even more important to our story today than one might imagine. You see, Gregory didn't take this to Congress to get it passed. He went to the individual states because Article 5 stipulates that two-thirds of Congress can propose an amendment, then three-quarters of it must ratify it. But in an effort to appease the states during our founding, this provision was extended to the states as well. So two-thirds of states in the U.S. can propose an amendment and three-quarters can ratify it. No Congress necessary. Spot the long game yet? Conservative activist and lobby organization ALEC, for example, among many others, has amendment text prepared to give broad authority to the states to rein in federal powers. It calls for each state legislature to join in a convention of the states to, quote, impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, 
limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. And that's just Alec. There are others, as you can imagine. These governors might be assholes, and you might be thinking, who gives a shit because I live in a blue state? Well, they almost have enough legislatures to propose amendments. So they're nearly halfway there. A couple more states to propose, and about seven more to ratify, and abortion in the United States can be made constitutionally illegal. Do I have your attention yet? As a bridge to our next episode, one of the primary objectives of this movement is to institute a balanced budget amendment so the federal government is required to balance the federal budget in the same manner that the states have to. In our next episode, I'll explain why this would actually be the end of the American experiment. Until then, fuck these stupid white guys. Buy some fucking coffee. And fuck Milton Friedman. Here endeth the quickie. I love these little quickies. Much love and thanks to my producer, 99, and engineer extraordinaire Manny Faces for the voice acting contributions. There's a cool thing that we called out on the last episode. An unfucker named Quirty started a thing on Reddit, UNFTR. And I'm told there's a bunch of you already over there now. We also had a few people reach out based on my comments about building a community and a handful of people suggested Discord. Now I'm gonna level with you all and remind you, I don't know shit about shit when it comes to all this newfangled technology that you kids are using on the interwebs these days. But if you're all down to unfuck in a different place that keeps you joined and talking as a community, well, fucking A, just let me know and I'll send people there. Not too late, and Edric each bought the team five coffees on our donation link, and we had another great round of coffee purchases since we last spoke. And so many of you either posted pics of your unfucking blend coffees at home, or you emailed them to us as well. It's just so fucking cool. Edric, by the way, said, what about an episode on the fucking of our work unions? I'm on it, I promise. Kyle C., Rod M., and my love, Debbie L., were holding it down on Facebook after the Trump episode. Seems like everyone dug it, which I was kind of nervous about, so I appreciate the love as always. Hey, Kyle, let us know what you thought of the coffee. Joshua T. suggested Discord for the community. GMH is waiting for a light roast coffee, and Craig T. said the flavor and character of Unfuck Your Morning is spectacular. Brian loves us, but doesn't drink coffee, and that's okay, Brian. Also on the Facebooks, had some really honest and revealing discussions. Nathan E. and I, for example, exchanged some pleasantries. He came by way of the Young Turks. And then we got to talking about an episode that I totally forgot to put on the board, but I can't wait to. It's going to take a while because it's kind of a complicated thing. It's all about pharmaceutical companies and PBMs, but it's something that we have just enough knowledge about to be dangerous. Very excited to dig in there. Another super cool on fucker who was a touring musician named BJ and I were rapping about the mollification of America and how corporate retail is sucking the culture out of communities across the nation. And Brian F. was asking about a bumper sticker. Now, I should have actually brought this up before, but we send out a sticker with each purchase of coffee. See, I had some trouble with the economics of ordering and sending out just a sticker, like it would be the worst value ever. So we decided to just give them away with purchases of coffee. Ralphie's York 82 had an issue with our characterization of separations at the border under Obama, stating that, quote, no law or policy found. Ralph, you're right to call it rare, but that's as compared to Trump. The reason it's difficult to acquire statistics on family separation under Obama is because his administration didn't report on it, whereas Trump did. 
Now, I promised to provide a longer explanation in our immigration episode in a couple of months, but separation did occur, but only to a small extent, with non-asylum-seeking border crossings, but not interior immigrants that are here illegally. The key, as we'll discuss in that episode, was the shift from civil to criminal charges for unauthorized crossings. Anyway, I should have used more finesse there, but the bottom line is that it existed to a rare extent, but it wasn't officially documented for statistical purposes, whereas Trump criminalized it, used the detention cages and the facilities built in the Obama years to separate families, and used the whole thing as evidence that he was a fucking tough guy. Also on the Twitter, Sakri Sable would like us to get more nuanced in our critique of Obama when we do it. Okay, I'm listening. I hear you guys loud and clear. Can do, will do, and I appreciate the feedback. Ella Frank on Insta made the decaf blend at night and the afternoon blend during the day, as it is supposed to be, and loved them both. Fuck yeah, thank you. Oh, and Pure Vision Equines got back to us to answer our query, saying, quote, my name comes from how horses help to clear one's mind of daily garbage and refocus on the important things of life. Thank you for clearing that up. My darling Starlotti was listening to The Ralph Nader Show featuring Dennis Kucinich, DK, back in the news, baby, and said, check it out. So check it out, unfuckers. I will. And that she loved Unfuck Your Morning. Well, I'm glad we could unfuck our mornings together, Starlotti. And the winning comment for this week comes from Kellyander5. No editorials. Just going to read this one as is. <clears throat> Last week, my husband and I tried something new in bed. It was deep. It was smooth. It was deliciously dark. Dare I say we reached simultaneous heights of peak caffeination? We thoroughly unfucked our morning, and it was glorious. Well done, Kellyander. Well done. Emails and contacts off the website. Barbara B. loves Agent 99. Barbara B., I do too. Wendy T. is an Aussie who enjoyed learning about Uncle Fucknipple. We have a lot of listeners down under. I love that. Celtic Apache. What up, Celtic? We're going back and forth about how to work in critical race theory, or if it belongs as a standalone episode or part of a bigger thing. We're not sure. Unfuckers, if you have any thoughts on CRT, just let us know. Michael P., hey, let us know if we did the Governor Quickie justice, and thank you again for suggesting this episode's topic. Alex P. from Michigan listens with his old man and has some thoughts on us doing maybe a China episode. Gonna work on that, put it on the board, so thank you, Alex. Lara E., ah. Oh. Lara, a multi-platform unfucker and an original. I promise to explain my electoral college thoughts. Derek B. would like us to unfuck U.S. involvement in Latin America to highlight what's happening in Colombia. DB, that's going to come in our full Washington consensus show. And Frank F. being a Seattle coffee snob whose wife works in the business, he can tell us that these are good quality beans. Oh, fuck yeah. So psyched about that. Thank you, Frank, for sending that. Oh, Frank, by the way, also recommended Discord. I got to find out what the fuck this is. On Substack, this is cool. So everybody knows from uh, our Milton episode that we have officially declared June 10th every year, Fuck Milton Friedman Day. And it is also Unfucker Alex's birthday. So he said, if I'd have known you were releasing this podcast on this day, I would have had an FMF theme party. Well, next year, I'm going to party with you. We're all going to party with you, Alex, on Fuck Milton Friedman Day. Three reviews to talk about. Picture in picture, a bus said, this podcast is simply amazing. Hey, thank you. King Jason J said, episodes move at an ideal pace and strike a perfect balance between being informative and extremely entertaining. Thank you, King Jason. And lastly, unfuckers, wah, wah, wah. we got a bad review. It's our first real bad review. We actually got a bad review a couple weeks ago and somebody was like, Kevin sucks. 
So I don't think that was for us because there's no Kevin. Uh, but this one said, selective takes vacuum review that government doesn't suffer from the same greed the free market can devolve to. I hope this isn't a sole source of info as a listener. Solid marketing approach added a star for that. Good luck. That's from Lonely Jabroni. So you can't please all of the people, but it also lets you know that people are tuning in with a critical ear. And I do not want this to be your sole source of information. In fact, one of the great joys that I've gotten out of this is how much feedback I get from unfuckers and subfuckers. You really do send me some thought experiments, some great exercises, things to unfuck and unpack and to think about. And, you know, we do our best to tackle them through the lens that we feel most comfortable exploring these issues. And we're not going to get everything 100% correct. And we're certainly not going to line up with everybody's core values. That's not the point of doing any of this. So I actually appreciate that we got a negative review. I definitely appreciate the good ones more. But you know what? It keeps us on our toes, keeps us balanced, and keeps us moving forward productively to help unfuck this here republic. As always, Unfucking the Republic is produced by Manny Faces Media. Who, by the way, is unfuckable? Wait. Our theme music was composed by Tom McGovern. Visit TomMcGovern.com. By the way, unfuckers, did you like the new show notes intro? The show was hosted by Indigo Montoya and distributed by True Love. Check out our book recommendations and support local bookstores by visiting bookshop.org slash shop slash UNFTRpod. Email us at UNFTRpod at gmail.com. Visit our website and buy our fucking coffee at UNFTR.com. And join us for free at UNFTR.substack.com to get copies of our essays. It's Manny. They don't know I'm doing this. Here's some outtakes of the episode. Including a strict anti-abortion measure, one targeting und- one targeting undocumented immigrants, one targeting undocumented immigrants. The judges will be looking for talking points on racism, immigration, abortion. I hope other people in the office can hear me yelling "abortion," or people in other offices, even better.